Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guests this week are Cody and Tori Harris, the founders of His Cavi Foundation. Now, His Cavi Foundation was established in 2018 and focuses on helping individuals and families within the ranching community. And in this episode, you will hear how the foundation started on an idea written in a napkin and has grown to contributions of greater than $30,000 from individuals donating across 25 states. For more information, visit HisCaviFoundation.com. That's H-I-S-C-A-V-V-Y-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.com. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Cody and Tori Harris of His Cavi Foundation. Well, like I said, last, last winter we went down to Arizona and was just training horses and riding outside horses, doing stuff like that. Not really sure what our summer was going to look like, but trying to be kind of self-employed and stuff like that so we would have more time to manage his cabbie and stuff like that and um about halfway through the winter we got a call from a, a gentleman that i used to work with at uh deseret and stuff like that that had leased um the ground and then he he called and just wanted to know if we'd be interested in contracting it so in doing that we we formed a contract business where we were just gonna we provide all the the care for the health, um, all the day-to-day stuff. We hire the help, um, all that kind of stuff. And so we got everything put together and stuff. And then this spring just started receiving about, we received 2,500 head of yearlings. Um, we're just south of Rollins, Wyoming, but yeah, it was just, it just pretty, pretty fortunate deal that, um, this gentleman was able to get at least. And then we've been kind of wanting to start our own contract deal where we weren't necessarily under somebody's thumb, and had somebody kind of telling us how we need to do everything. And so this way we, we make our own schedules. Um, we're, we're just over everything. And then we can kind of make the time to, you know, do his cavy or, you know, whatever we need to do. It, it gives us a lot of freedom to, um, work with our horses, work with horses for his cavy. Um, and the freedom in that is just for the, the horse deal is really cool. But then we also get to do a real job with all of them and manage our time um, so we can add in other aspects of what we love to do. You guys are in a pretty good spot right now, right? Because so many people try to pursue that. There's the – I say there's the stability of a 40-hour work week, right? A paycheck's going to show up whenever it shows up, whether it's weekly, biweekly, monthly. But oftentimes those types of professions aren't the ones that feed the soul and don't provide the fire and the passion, Right. Generally, those passion professions are are tough to make a living at. So for you guys to kind of have that balance at this stage of life, where you have the stability somewhat of a 40-hour work week, yet you still have the freedom to grow and develop his cavi is a pretty pretty incredible place to be given your chapter, your season in life. Absolutely. And I mean, it was just totally a blessing. And I mean, it's just one of those things that just showed up. Like, and that was 
kind of taking a leap of faith and like leaving the jobs that we were at and not going and taking another full-time job Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. And just like, okay, hopefully we can get some horses sold. Hopefully we get some outside horses coming (laughs) in, which is, it's been something that all through my cowboying career I've always done. And cause there's a lot of times you'd be like being a day worker, like there'd be a lot of times you wouldn't have a job to do, but in having outside horses or horses to sell, you always had a source of income and stuff like that. So it wasn't a huge leap, but then not knowing what our summer was going to look like. And we like doing the arena stuff and like, um, you know, just getting more handle on them and stuff like that. But we understand the value of having all the outside work on them and stuff yeah, too. And yeah. like, we want to have both a lot of both. Um, so when somebody comes looking for a horse, it's going to fit the majority of people. Yeah. And I think, uh, you almost have to look at, you almost have to look at income from strictly an investment strategy, right? So many people, you put all your eggs in one basket financially, like, okay, well, when that's not there or that doesn't exist or that market is unhealthy, okay, what do you do? And so many, how, how many times have you seen so many people, right? Well, I only train yearlings or I only finish horses or I only do this or I only do that. And they pigeonhole themselves versus diversifying your skill set, diversifying your income. To me, it just provides greater stability. Although you have all these different brands you have to manage, uh, it just, it, it offers a better chance of survival because when the horse world isn't working out, maybe the cattle market picks it up or vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's been several times and it's been that way for me and stuff over the years that, yeah, when the cattle deal's not working out real good, the horse deal's packing it. And then it, like you say, it, it swaps ends quite frequently. So, yeah. yeah. So let's do this. Let's talk about your guys's history. Um, we have Cody and Tori Harris here with his cavy. We are going to get into his cavy and what it is and how it came to be later on in the show. But I'd like to give a little history um, to lay the context and foundation for listeners as to who you are and where you come from. We will progress into his cavy and how it better serves the Western world. So uh, I will leave it up to you guys, Cody or Tori, whoever wants to go first and kind of explain a little bit about who you are and where you come from and yeah, uh, kind of Cody and I, I guess, uh, we've had a lot of life without each other. Um, so kind of a lot of our history is going to be separate. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married for one year. Oh, and, congratulations. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of our history, it's kind of is cool. Like it's goes along the same lines and we did so much of the same things at times, but never had met till a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but both kind of have worked in somewhat of the similar areas and no similar people, but, um, yeah, never had met. So I grew up, um, on a Boy Scout ranch and, I uh, just had a lot of people around, rode horses, took out pack trips, things like that. Always wanted to go out and work on like a real working ranch. And, uh, yeah, like when I was 16, I called a place and got hired and went to Montana just to work for the summer and learn about cows and more about horses and just had that, I guess, love for that stuff from mm-hmm, a young mm-hmm. age. And then kind of, I'm the type of person that's like, when somebody tells you you can't do something cause you're a girl or <laughs> something like that. And like my brother would be like, you can't go do that. And it just made me drive harder, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So then I just started. Yeah. When I got out of high school, started working on more ranches and traveled all over and, worked for horse trainers and just had kind of a love for all of it. I didn't want to just learn about cattle or just learn about horses. It was just everything. It was a lifestyle of it um, in both aspects of it. 
I never ended up going to college or anything like that. I just, um, I wanted to cowboy and I wanted to cowboy and how I'd heard guys talk about going to different ranches and stuff like that. So I, yeah, got out of high school, um, worked on a ranch. Then I decided I wanted to work on another one. So I got a list of all the ton of ranches that I knew all over and just started calling. And if they told me they didn't have a job, I'd ask them for more numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I grew up in Western Oregon, not very cowboy oriented or anything like yeah, that, but I yeah. wanted it. Yeah. Then when I decided I wanted to learn more about horses and pursue that more, I just got a list of the top 20 cow horse trainers and would call them and just kind of pursued that. So in your experience, right, you've mentioned that, that you wanted to spend more time learning about the horses, right? Not just specifically cattle yeah. or any specific discipline. So I find it interesting in knowing why, what for you, what was the why, what was the draw in learning about the horse in greater detail other than just, hey, I need a horse for a tool to go do some cow work or branding or whatever? Um, I don't know, like, because there's always the aspect in being able to make something and if you don't learn from the people that are making that, the good horses and things like that, how are you going to be able to do that? And like your job is easier and better when your horse is fluent in different things and you're fluent in teaching them those things. Um, and like, I guess I've never had the desire to be stagnant where I am, but just kind of to have something better. And like when you're learning and when like you just see the potential in horses, but then sometimes you get to a place where your knowledge quits you and the potential can't get to where it could be. But when you're learning from someone all the time, the potential of like that horse is greater. Yeah. I, that's my biggest attraction in this. Is it like, I, I don't think there'll ever come a day when I'll say I got this figured out. There's right. so much to horses and there's so much to the world. And I mean, if you even look at the history of this show, right, we started out with a very specific mission uh, focused around human performance and mental health and how that relates to a relationship with a horse. And now, and this is no way boasting or bragging, but I mean, I literally have guests and followers from all over the world who have this plethora of experience that, that I can lean on. And, you know, they send me messages and I interact and it's just incredible to see how diverse the horse can be and how many ways the human has either influenced or been impacted by that animal. To me, it's just unbelievable. There's just too much to learn. And and yeah. like you said, if you get to that point where you say you figured it out, well, in my opinion, you lost, you're done, you're irrelevant. Yeah. That's what Cody and I always say. We say, we'll go get a town job when yeah, we exactly. get it all figured out. So <laughs> good <laughs> luck. Irony. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I really enjoy about like getting what we get to do too is like, I mean, there's sometimes that you just kind of get burned out even like yeah. with the horse deal. Yeah. And that's where I'll turn more focus on like how to handle the cattle, like how to do, you know, how to move them better, how to do this better. And then maybe I get a little bit burned out of that. And then I put more focus in like training the dogs to help yeah. with the job and stuff like that. But then making it all come together, um, you know, like I think it's, I, there's a, gentleman I worked with before and I remember what he was talking about a guy one time and I thought he was a super handy guy and all that but he he didn't say he was a good horseman he didn't say he was you know a super hand or anything like that he just said that guy's a true stockman yeah and what that meant to me you know was like he understood the dogs he understood the cows he understood the horses and could make all three of them work 
in unison and and just go really smooth and that's what i was like that's pretty awesome like i i want to i want to have the whole circle like i want to be able to do all of that it's incredible and i think about too in the like in the 30,000 foot plan right of what i'm trying to do with horses and help people like i would love to get to a point and i don't know if this is even attainable to where the animals almost speak for you right and your style of horsemanship, what you preach, what you teach, when people get to see it in the animal, that's what's convincing. That's what sells the story. I mean, because I can go around and how easy it is in the Western world. Uh, I go print business cards right now and call myself a farrier. I've never driven a nail a day in my life, right? But so, <laughs> so many people portray that, you know, right. because I say it on the internet or because I've done it once, that makes me an expert now, Uh I think when you're truly an expert in it, your work will speak for itself, will sell the story rather than me have to boast or brag about how well I work with a horse or how well I work with a human being. You know, I'd rather show people rather than tell people. And when they're when they're all in unison, it's really cool. When you're when your people skills are in unison with your horse skills and everything kind of caters to each other and you can like even shine through your faith in how you yeah. interact with yeah. horses, cattle, anything that you're doing is something that shows like your faith and is a testimony to, yeah. to what you believe. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you're saying too, is like being around different crews or just even like just different groups of guys and stuff, helping each other and stuff like that. The thing I've learned is to watch the guy that's not saying anything or not doing much. <laughs> yes. Cause he's usually the guy that's doing the most. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. My dad always told me uh, growing up as a kid, right? You start to become a young adult and teenager and, uh, testosterone shows up and he says, if you're ever in a situation, right, where you got to defend yourself, it's not the guy that's in your face. It's talking trash that you need to worry about. It's, <laughs> right. it's the, it's the quiet guy standing in the corner. That's the guy that knows the business and know how things are about to go. And he's the first one that's going <laughs> to knock your block off. Um, yep, absolutely. So if, the long and the short of it is right. If you're good at what you do, you don't have to tell people, you just go out and do it and you show people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, Cody, let's touch a little bit about your history. I know we kind of talked about you bouncing around doing the day work thing, but, uh, let's give listeners a little bit more about who you are and then we will break into his caveat if you guys don't mind. Yeah. So I grew up in Idaho, um, actually grew up on a farm and just always craved the horse deal and the cow deal and stuff. And then I ended up, um, there was a feedlot, Canyon cattle feeders, um, that was just right next to us and got to know the lady that ran that, which was Sarah Jane Smith. Um, and ended up going to work for her and stuff and started riding pins. And she was probably the most inf influential person for me to crave having a better horse and do better and stuff like that. Like I remember I got my first horse to start while I was there. I, I rode quite a few over the years, but that was the first time I got one to start and we were riding pins and stuff. And she was like, you need to get her head down. You need to get do do this. And I'm like, I can't, I can't get it to do it. Yeah. How? Like, yeah. So she's like, give me that horse. And so she jumped on it and she, I remember the pin, we were in pin one. She went and rode through that pin on my horse. And by the time she got back, she had that horse's nose down and looking really good. And I was like, well, heck, if she could do it, I can do it. <laughs> and just, I mean, not even with the horse stuff, but even just going to other jobs, how she influenced me. Um, how to present yourself and how to go about these deals and um, all that. And she's just been a huge influence and we've stayed in touch over the years. We've done a lot of horse business and all that kind of stuff and just 
but yeah, she was the one that really kind of set me on that path. And then from there, I kind of left Idaho and then, um, just kind of ended up day working around. And so I've ended up, I've got a day work probably in like 10 different States. Um, just got to meet so many people across the country and, um, and it's just been cool, like go there and not know anybody and how so many of these people just take you in and like, yeah, Hey, you crazy. Need to oh. do laundry or you need to come have dinner with us or you need a shower or whatever. And, um, just like, especially being a single guy, like having those families just take you in and stuff was always a, a big thing to me. Um, and I don't know if I, if they really realized how much it meant to me, for them to do it. Cause like I've even been in some other places where that were totally not that way. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have any of the amenities you needed being out at camp and stuff like that. And they didn't care, you yeah, know, and, tough luck. But, that, but like that has been very, very rare. Um, I've just had so many different families and different communities and stuff. And like, so like when in his cabbie, when we talk about a community, um, so many people think of a community as where they live. Like we think of it as the whole entire cowboy community across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like the bigger your circle gets, the smaller you realize it is. Um, Cause there's been a lot of times like you get talking to somebody in Missouri or they're like, Hey, do you know, so-and-so I'm like, well, yeah, I do know so-and-so, <laughs> you know? And, but then like, there's been times like you say you break down or you get in a pinch, you can call up some buddies and then pretty soon they're on the horn and pretty soon here's some, here somebody shows up that you don't even know there to, help you, you know, get back on the road or put you up for a night or something like that is just pretty dang cool. It's cool. I think in my experience, right, traveling across uh, the United States and Canada, when you talk about that, right, is it, I'll use this to kind of set, set foundation. I, I don't know if you guys know Chuck Swisher. He's a bullfighter. Does a lot of protection work for the PRCA. And we had the conversation about church, right? And how people often think church is a physical place. Uh, and and we both agree that church are the people, right? It's it's right. the community that you discussed, and I think in the Western world, it is just that that so many of us, it seems to be so many of us, uh, are spread out throughout the country. Yet, in the big picture, it's a pretty tight knit community, and we've all we've all been in that pinch, right? Whether you blow a tire on the side of the road, or a cow gets loose, or a horse goes lame, or you've worked 10 days in a row and haven't had a chance to sit still and take a shower. Like we know, we know the fatigue, we know the pain, we know the headache, we know the joys, right? We know the love, we know the successes and to be able to help the next person work through a challenge or help the next person develop their business. I think that's where a lot of us find the joy is because we've traveled those miles. Although we're all spread out, it's a pretty intimate tight knit group of people or pretty special way of life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the formation of his cavy, right? You guys have a plethora of experience working horses, doing day work, cow work. And now we have his cavy, the formation of his cavy to serve a far greater purpose than than just the two of you. Um, let's talk about some of those early conversations or, or that napkin idea, right? When it was first written down as far as what you expected this to be. Yeah, well, it's far surpassed anything I expected it to be. So, um, which I didn't really expect it to be anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, I had kind of had the thought for a while that like, man, it'd be kind of cool just to do something to kind of help some families out or something. Cause just like I said, there's been so many families over the years that have taken me in and 
and done so much for me. And like being a single guy, like you don't, there's not really a whole lot you can do for him. It seems yeah. like, you yeah. know? And so, um, then it's kind of been on my mind and stuff like that, but I had never really thought of anything. And then, um, and that's another thing is like, I just never really like, how was I going to raise money? Like, I don't know how to run a nonprofit. I don't know how to do any of that. But then I, you know, I got thinking, well, I understand the horse business. You know, I know how to market a horse. I know how to sell a horse. I know how to train it and stuff like that. So why not just do something along those lines? Just go with what I know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and try to use that to help. And so I seen um, a friend in Idaho. They'd been posting a bunch of stuff and um, their boy had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and stuff. And so I was like, well, I mean, if you're going to do this, this is probably the best yeah, time. Here's to a shot. It. <laughs> right. And, you know, and uh, so I talked to a couple buddies about the idea. And it was the first time I kind of really told anybody about it. And they're like, yeah, we're in. What What do you need? And stuff like that. And so, and I think there was three, three of us, three other fam- families involved that donated the money to purchase a horse. And so I was like, and then all of a sudden this horse showed up that kind of fit what we were going to need. And I was like, well, I guess, I guess here we go. <laughs> so it, it all just kind of been put together and stuff. And so, um, and I was not savvy with Facebook or anything like that. And so I started a Facebook page from scratch. We didn't know, you know, nobody knew who we were. We didn't announce who the family was. Um, we didn't do anything like that. And, uh, when it was all said and done, we was able to raise a check for them for like $30,000. Um, and there was, we had donations from 25 different states. Um, the the lady that ended up winning the horse, um, I had sold her a horse a year prior to that. And she's like, well, I already have one. I don't, I don't really, I never thought I was going to win it. Like, so she's like, well, I don't really know what to do with it. So we talked about it and I, we threw several different uh, scenarios out there and stuff like that. I said, at the end of the day, it's your horse. You decide what you want to do with it. Um, she called me back and she's like, Hey, I just want to donate this horse back. Isn't it crazy? And it, yeah, it's just wild. And I'd had a hand or like I had three different people call me that had seen our advertising that horse that were interested in it and said that they would, they'd be interested in purchasing it and stuff like that. So ended up calling those those folks back the first guy i called he said yep i'll take it um and that was just a slam dunk deal and and generated a bunch more money for him um that ended up with that check for thirty thousand. And another cool aspect of the story is that people within the family that the money was being raised for had seen everything and also purchased tickets (laughs) oh no kidding this is the cool thing of how the community is and how even like selfless people are in the community, seeing a need and seeing not knowing the people, but knowing a situation and being able to sympathize with that situation exactly. and exactly. be able to be like, yeah, we're going to support that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a super cool aspect of it. What an incredible feeling. I was up at a heart of the horse last, I think it was last September in Canada and they had auctioned off the Colt starting competition and they had auctioned off the Colts at the end of the, at the end of the competition to go towards a Canadian organization that helps people through horses. And it was incredible to watch that, that horse get sold. And then 
it wasn't two seconds later they asked, you know, hey, who are you? And congratulations on your purchase of the horse. And he introduced himself and then put the horse right back in the auction. Right. And they, and they resold that horse again, you know, and for for them to basically double down on their money on one animal and, and raise right. money for this organization, it's just incredible to watch. I guess, I mean, yes, the physical horse, the animal is what's being sold, but the spirit of what that animal represents and what that animal is going to serve is just, I mean, it gives me goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's, you know, like when starting out with that deal, you know, I was like, well, should I just get it trained up and then just sell it or should we try to raffle it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then that's a lot of people helping to pay for that horse instead of one person having to take that big hit yeah, yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it really kind of set me back because when we started it, I can't remember exactly what our time frame was on it, but the first week we kind of opened the books and got things going on it. I mean, we went to $2,500 just like overnight and I was like, all right, we're, yeah, we're going to make some money. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and then that thing died for like two weeks and didn't get a single donation. Didn't get any hardly, any interaction about it or anything. I was like, Oh man, what have I done? Yeah, like, suck. I should have, I should have sold this horse <laughs> and stuff like that. And in that two weeks, I just kept trying to push harder and harder to try to make things happen and stuff. And then when I finally, I'm like, this is, this is not what this is about. It's not what I can do. And so I had to just take a step back and just be like, you know, God, this is in your hands. You need to make this what it needs to be for that family. And just really remove myself out of the deal. Yeah. And when that happened, the the next two donations that came in were twenty five hundred apiece. Oh, jeez! Yeah, we're and it just it was just mind blowing. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just stay out of the way. And yeah, you kind of direct yeah. me how you need to be to direct this. So I'll tell you what, man. Uh, as far as a lesson in faith, right, in obedience, uh, I've walked a similar journey with this show. Uh, initially, we start out with the purpose of helping people, and and that will always be our why. Uh, but as the show starts to gain traction and now kind of some more demands are placed on the show as far as the content and what people are looking for, I start to try to better manage it, right? And I start to insert myself and place my own expectations and my own goals. And, and the show did kind of go flat for a while. And uh, then when I take that step back and say, hey, you know, God, you laid this on my hands to be a steward of, uh, I have... Zero goals of being a podcast host, uh, being on the radio, traveling around the country. Like that was not my thing. That was not in the cards at that time. And when I step back and focus on that why and just being obedient, God, you present opportunities and I'm going to capitalize on them and I'm going to be the best steward I could possibly be for whatever you present. Uh, We'll see where it goes from there. And it's crazy how the momentum swings. I mean, it is like a wildfire with... A door opens here, a door opens there. Opportunities that I never even could have dreamed of start coming to light. And it's it's incredible to see how much more reach you can have and how much more influence you can have when you actually just get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a uh, one family it was really cool to kind of talk to. Like our expectation of what somebody needs could be totally different than the expectation of what God thinks they need, you know, or yeah. like what God knows that they need. Yeah. Um, and that's and a tough question to answer. A, yeah. It could not even have like a, a price tag on it and stuff like that. One family, I know afterwards they just talked to us about 
um, within like the event and putting on this roping for them, they just got so much hope from it and so much drive to keep going. Um, and it just kind of lifted their spirits. So not only were we able to give them money to help with the stress of that, but just seeing the camaraderie of a community of people to come together for them, gave them like the strength, the second wind to keep, keep going in their situation. Um, which was cool to hear because we were in it, you know, like Mm -hmm. his happy to, um, like create something to help make them money to help with financial things with medical expenses and things like that. But what they got from it that like they talked about was hope also. It wasn't just the financial side of things. Yeah. How incredible. How incredible. So how, how did this all culminate with this first pass and helping this first family? Well, I guess it was kind of one of those deals that when it's all said and done, it's just like, you're like, wow, that was, that was a pretty amazing thing. Like not only for the family, but the people that uh, were donating to it um, and just the response we got from it. And I'm like, man, this just kind of a, there's an opportunity here and there's a need to have something like that, this, that we can go out there and do. And so it is kind of another one of those deals just kind of had this crazy idea of like, well, why don't we just do, do a pasture open mm-hmm. and kind of the same kind of deal, kind of got thinking about it and kind of told a couple guys about it and whatnot. And then there's a, a family that owns a ranch there in Walden, Colorado. And they're like, Hey, we're, we're actually, we'd like to do some sort of event like that here. If you guys want, you guys, here, come, come use the ranch, use the pasture. Um, there's an old sale barn on the deal that we was able to run like, um, the concerts and the dinners and all that stuff out of, and they donated the whole deal for us to come in there and do the roping. And, and then they've just been every year since just been like, heck, heck yeah, you guys come back. We want you guys here. Um, we just love what this thing's all about. And that just, and without them, it, it would be really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to have, have facilities like that, have the kindness, have the care, have the love uh, and support in this because, uh, and we're starting a ranch here, you know, I bought this new place uh, seven months ago. Uh, It is a huge financial undertaking, right? And there is a million moving parts to be able to get this thing to work and start to breathe life. And for people to step in and just donate facilities or donate time or donate manpower, let alone all the financial donations. I mean, what a blessing in all of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's like putting that on. I mean, we had to borrow panels from the panel trailers from two different people. We had two different portable corrals that we used, a uh, rope and shoot. I mean, it's just like all of it was borrowed and stuff yeah. like that. But everybody just like jump in like, yeah, what do you need? Um, there's a gentleman there that has a goat roping pin that he brings up for the kids to rope. And then we do it in the evenings. We do a pretty cool little goat roping jackpot deal and stuff like that. And just, but just everybody jumping in just makes that thing all come together. So how do you guys go about formulating what an event is going to be, right? So we had the the horse that was um, auctioned at first, and then we talk about putting on ropings. How do you guys go about formulating an event and how that event is going to look? Well, it was kind of one of those deals too. It never had – well, I guess – over the years, kind of had done some stuff similar. Uh, me and a buddy used to put on a horse sale and stuff like that. So it kind of had a little bit of a concept, kind of how to do things. But a lot of it was just trying to just kind of just step out there and just jump in it. Because, I mean, that's not something that we've done much of. 
and stuff like that. And then you just kind of get moving forward and like, well, I guess we need to move forward and do this. And I guess now we need to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to, we need to get insurance and stuff like that. Well, how do you get insurance? Yeah. You met? Oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then forming it into a 501c3. Well, then now we're dealing with accountants and attorneys and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, nothing stuff that we've never done, but just keep taking each step and just trying to, you know, okay, this deal presents itself. Now we got to figure out how to make this work. And so there's been a lot of learning curves there and stuff like that, but it's just taking the time and just working through those. Yeah. Treating everything with care. And it is, it is a lot, you know, and I mean, you talk about the insurance thing. We just had a conversation and swapped over our insurance. I mean, the insurance agent that we had was actually my father's insurance agent growing up since he was like, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. Uh, so this lady had been in the family for years and she knew all of us inside and out. And But then we get this ranch and start talking about that, right? Well, how do you insure animals and how do you insure equipment and how do you insure buildings and outbuildings and all this other stuff? And uh, she was gracious enough to, to honestly uh, tell us that obviously that's not their forte. They do more of the traditional home and auto type stuff, but... Uh, another family that, uh, that we know, uh, gave us their insurance adjuster, right. Who specializes in agricultural specific, uh, insurances. And it, it literally is a completely different world. And, uh, never did we think we'd have these conversations, but like you talk about, right. You just, one challenge gets put in front of you and you focus on it the best you can and manage it and dominate it. And then we move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, and then something else pops up, it seems like. <laughs> oh, it never ends, right? It never ends. It's like that, that cartoon right. image, right, of the barrel with 50 holes in it, and you got 10 fingers to try to figure out which one's the plug. <laughs> right. <laughs> good stuff, yeah. good stuff. So how has how has your view or your mission at His Cavi changed? I know the underlying goal, right, is to help people, but how are the plans changed? How has the focus changed? What does the future hold for His Cavi? So like, I feel like it's still very much in the infant stages um, Mm -hmm. because we, this is, we're going on our third year of operating now. Um, I think pretty much our goal has kind of stayed the same um, throughout it, but it keeps evolving. Um, So we're, yeah, like I said, just learning more stuff, um, having to bring more people in, having to form a board, um, all that kind of stuff. Then you get more ideas, um, different stuff like that. And I mean, there's, we can see several different ways of how this thing could grow, but we're just kind of leaving it in God's hand to let him kind of direct it where he thinks it needs to go. Because I mean, just like we talked earlier, it's like where we think it needs to go and where he thinks it might need to go is two completely different things. So we're not super focused on any one thing. Um, I think our main goal is just to be able to just be able to provide relief for families when they need it and stuff like that. And, you know, and that's like one thing we've been talking about, like right now is how do we get this thing to where we've got more money coming in or uh, like a monthly give type deal or something like that. Cause mm-hmm. as of right mm-hmm. now, the only time any money's coming in is when we're doing an event. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's so many times that like, something comes up and we are going to have to do an event to help that family where it'd be nice to have that, that funds coming in to where, okay, these people need some help right now. We can come in there and give them some support right now, instead of having to wait a couple months to have a horse ready or 
to do our event or anything like that. And then, and the more we get known and stuff like that, the more we have people calling and needing help or letting us know about other people that need help. And as of right now, it's just pretty much Tori and I kind of run in it. Like I said, we formed a board and stuff like that, but then we're still working a full-time jobs and stuff like that to try to figure out, you know, how can we just keep this growing and be able to keep moving forward? A a cool thing about it too, is as more people call and they're like, Oh man, his caveat is there to help. And they call for the help. There's also people coming to us and being like, Hey, we have this, like we had some horses, just some older ranch horses donated to his caveat. And they were like, take these horses. If you find a ranch family that's, in need for horses for their kids or whatever it is, like give them to them. Or if they, you want to sell them to raise money for his cavity, do that. And we ended up selling one to a family and they, uh, a dad and son bought it. And now the son loves the horse so much. He's buying it from his dad, <laughs> but all that money goes to his cavity. And that money will be there to, if something does come up, we'll be able to take that money and it'll, it'll be in the, in the account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if somebody does need help yeah. but that's just thing from word of mouth and talking about his caddy like we didn't go out seeking those donations or seeking that but it was laid on their heart to be like man they could use this and kind of the more people that see that and that kind of creates also maybe a vision that we weren't looking for or something like that it, it's cool to see that other people have ideas and ways to help that's going to also help his cabbie because it's also like Cody kind of touched on a little bit ago, like his cavity's motto from the first event was a lot of people doing a little makes a huge difference. And that stands true in everything because it doesn't matter if you can give a little or a lot, it's going to impact someone's life. Correct. Correct. So in that same breath, how can folks uh, learn more about his cavity? How can people get more involved? uh, Should they feel compelled to do so? So, um, we, we have a website. Um, I would say that probably the majority of our stuff would be on the His Cavi Foundation, uh, Facebook page. Um, we do the Instagram and stuff too, but like, honestly, what we like the most is if just people just call, you know, and have a conversation with them and stuff. Like I had a gentleman call me a week or two ago, um, just out of the blue and just, he's had some health issues come up and stuff like that, but it's been super blessed. And he's like, I've got more than I need and I want to help with your guys' deal. And I mean, it's just, just crazy, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was just great to have a conversation with him and what's going on in his life and how he still wants to help. And, and then that way, I mean, I think so much of this social media stuff, it takes away the personal aspect of it as well. Yeah. And so I like to be able to have a conversation with the people and um, just kind of see where they're at, what they've got going on. And then they get a better feel for where we're at and what we have going on yeah. as well. Yeah. No, it's incredible. I mean, I see the social media as a, a double-edged sword because unfortunately it gives so many unintelligent people a, a credible platform to spread their misbeliefs or unintelligent thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but, in, but in the same vein, right? I mean, this by way of example, right? Uh, without social media, this, never, this conversation never would have taken place not in a million years you know we just although we're kind of two similar institutions with same goals we just don't run in the same circles you know but uh, we bridge the gap with one family and they recommend uh, talking to the folks at his cavi and obviously i'm always going to give everybody an opportunity and uh here we are and i I think it's incredible that's why you guys are here 
uh, is to just provide another tool within that community of of using horses to help influence change and and help families in need. Yeah. I want to talk about how the actual title, His Cavy, came to be. And I know we have previously discussed a kind of a life verse in the book of Galatians and what that means to you guys. So uh, let's talk about, let's first talk about the, the scripture and then we'll move on to how you guys formulated His Cavy and the actual definition or meaning behind it. So a verse that we use a lot for his caveat is um, Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, so this verse didn't come about like at the beginning. Um, we had been kind of praying about verses and what kind of his caveat stood for. And my sister-in-law and I were writing a post and just kind of thinking about what his caveat was and talking about the first roping. And it was just kind of a testimony of how a lot of people carried um, someone else in a time of need and helped them out. And it's just a testimony of um, serving, serving Christ through serving people. And that verse just went along with what, what we were writing about and what his caveat stood for. Mm -hmm. Um, So we thought it was just, yeah, a really influential verse for the foundation Absolutely. And it's funny how sometimes you just got to get into it, right? And and the definition of the why will kind of explain itself. And I think so many times people get hung up in first defining the why and then stepping off. And and I, I got kind of hung up on that myself. But uh, after a while, I was just like, forget it. Let's go for it. And what'll be will be, right? Yeah. Yep. Um. So his cavy is, I guess, yeah, it's something that sometimes a lot of people might not understand. Um, and I was talking to one friend about it and just telling her about what Cody and I were yeah, doing with life and stuff. And I was telling her about his cabbie and she's like, what does that mean? And so I just went about explaining it to her. And at the very end of our conversation, she's like, oh, that is like the Lord's Bermuda. And I thought that was a really cool way to put it. Um, because in different circles of the ranching and horse life, like some people, a uh, remuda is somewhat along the same def- definitions mm-hmm. of a cabbie. Mm-hmm. And it was super understanding and cool to hear her associate those together. Yeah. Um, but cabbie is kind of in the, the Western U- United States. It's the um, cowboys herd of horses that they, they ride. Um, and they gather in the cabbie either in the evenings or the morning to get their mount for the next day. And Cody and I, a couple of days, were talking about it. And when you some at some places, when you run into cavy, they run them in on a, a set of ropes, and they all line up with their heads faced outside, and guys rope them. And um, as you're getting ready to tell your the cow boss what you horse you want to ride, you say their name. And it was just cool to think about um, just a cavy, and they all have names. And how the Lord calls us by name. And um, as like you're sitting there envisioning a guy in the center of this herd roping out horses for the morning and calling each one by name as they pull them out of the herd um, to get ready for the day was uh, just a pretty cool vision for us. But then it just kind of encompasses as like his as is God and we're just his cabbie and we're all called by name and um, all loved and provided for and uh just kind of a cool analogy, I guess. 
It's crazy to hear. I love hearing how brands uh, come to be, right? Sometimes people just, hey, well, that sounded cool. Great, right? But yeah. to, to hear something with far greater meaning, far greater assimilation, it's true. You guys are a reflection of that work, right? Of God's reach and God's ability and God's personal influence and knowing each and every one of us and our goals and our purposes, you know, and and for us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast, right? We use Jeremiah twenty nine eleven because God has plans for us and oftentimes those plans don't align with our own. But the story's been written, the purpose is there, the function is there, and, and oftentimes we just got to get out of the way and, and go along with it. And it's incredible when you relinquish that power and you commit to, when you commit to obeying and listening, uh, incredible, incredible opportunities, incredible things come up. And for me, I found a far greater value to life, right? There's a far bigger story that's being written and been written and how maybe my little role plays in the big picture. All right. Well, and in the cabbie too, um, each horse is different, you yeah. know, each one yeah. has a different skill set. Um, it's no different than you or I, you know, yeah. we all, what are we doing to help build God's kingdom, you know? And like, we all have a different skill set, but we just need to step by faith and just do those things that he needs us to do. And, um, help to build all that. And it's it's interesting to me, and, and obviously there's a social hierarchy in anything done in life, right? Whether it's sports, whether it's a branding pen, um, in business. But what I really try to stress, and, and I use the analogy of baseball uh, because that's what's familiar to me in my history and growing up, but for victory to take place, the guy who lays down the sacrifice bunt should be just as important as a guy that hits a game-winning home run, right? We all right. have a role, no matter how insignificant or unpopular it is, or whether it's the headlining act, right, that gains all the notoriety. We need to do a better job of placing more equal value in that contribution to success. Absolutely. We we previously interviewed the Darnell family from 310 Ranch Life on this show, and I know you guys work with them and continue to work – excuse me. I know you guys have worked with them and continue to work with them. Let's talk about some upcoming projects and events that you guys are mutually going to contribute to um, and talk about the goals and the purposes of, of how you will continue to serve the community. Okay. So as of right now um... – his Cowboy Foundation, 310 Ranch, um, and Cowboy Up Against Cancer. Um, we've been helping to raise money for the Cowboy Up Against Cancer, which goes to the Leukemia, Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Um, and so our part of it is um, we big bend horse trailers down in Texas. Um, helped us get a trailer, and we're selling raffle tickets for that. And then we'd had this spring, we had plans to um, go to their roping out in Tennessee. And um, there, I think we had like six different events we'd had planned to go with this trailer to sell tickets. Um, with obviously, with everything that happened, everything got canceled. I think yeah. we ended up only going to one event um, with the trailer. Um, so, but 310 Ranch, they are selling raffle tickets for like some of their items that they'd had donated. Um, for the roping, they're actually still um, selling raffle tickets for that stuff um, to go to that. And then what we're doing with the horse trailer is um, January 26th. January 26th is oh, not January. Oh, not June. June, June 26th. <laughs> 
January. Is um, when the Cowboy Up Against Cancer campaign kind of ends. And then we will continue selling raffle tickets from there till our roping on that trailer. And and our roping is going to be October 2nd through the 4th. And then that's when we'll raffle off that trailer and stuff like that. Um, and then this year at our roping, we're going to add the uh, 310's um, El Guapo roping. They're going to come out. We're going to do one day of just the one-man doctoring yeah. and yeah. stuff like that with the roping. And then – the second day, um, we're going to do our pasture roping, which is a three-man team. Um, we bring, we send them out of the chute, and it, each guy gets one head loop. Um, if all three guys miss, then it's a no time. But then once they get it headed, they have as many loops as they they need to to get it down. Whoever doesn't have it rope has to get off, set the set both the front and the back feet, get back on their horse, and then that's time. Um, and that's kind of how we kind of have that formatted. But we also have concert with that. We have dinners. We have um, the goat roping. There's several different auctions. Yeah, the silent auction, live auction, um, all sorts of stuff that we have going on during that time. And kind of the last day on Sunday, everything's kind of done. But a lot of people just stick around and help clean up and do that kind of stuff. And like, it's crazy. You don't even have to ask people. (laughs) They say they clean up. We do a big breakfast just to say thank you. And then we have a church service and then we're, that's kind of done for the weekend, but we do it mostly Friday, Saturday. And then whoever wants to stay for Sunday Mm -hmm. stays for Mm -hmm. Sunday, kind of helps clean up and then kind of enjoy the church service also. Yeah. 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 What an incredible event, you know, it's, 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 I commend you guys for staying with it as long as you have, right? Because so, there's so many moving parts to put on an event, right? And to get all the stars and the moons to align uh, to, to put on a successful event has got to be exhausting, uh, but terribly rewarding in the same in the same breath. Yeah. It's a little stressful on a, a new marriage <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, there's been times that we're like, man, alive, what yeah. are we doing here and yeah. stuff? But it, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It's the beauty of the story, you know. Enjoy these chapters because you're going to look back on them someday, and and they're going to mean a lot more, right? Because you'll be that much better for it. Yeah, from the first roping, we were talking the other day, just kind of preparing and thinking about what, like, what this was going to be. But just we were talking about testimonies from the first roping, and when, like, when you look back on the testimonies from that, that's what keeps you going. Yeah, it's what makes you like, man, this is important. It's bigger than what we're thinking. It's bigger than. Um, helping one family and we wrote down some of the testimonies and talked about them. But I, I think Cody should tell about the cattle testimony for the first (laughs) roping because it was, it's a, it's a good story. I would have been freaking out. I was going to say, here you go, Cody. I guess the floor's yours, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the first event we did, like one of the first things I lined up was make sure we could have cattle for the event before we did anything and talked to a gentleman. He's like, yep, we're good. We'll have you cattle. And, um, so the roping started Friday morning at like 10 o'clock. Um, the guy called me at, on Thursday about two or three o'clock and said, Hey, I can't get you cattle. Excuse me. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, it's going to be really hard to have a roping without yeah. having cattle yeah. and stuff like that. And so, I mean, we went to scrambling, um, trying to find cattle, and luckily, we'd already had a gal lined up to help run the roping for us and stuff. And she was uh, 
they put on a lot of ropings and stuff. And so they had some cattle. She's like, I can have them to you for Friday, but they're going on a truck to head to Texas um, for the winter. And so I can't have you any cattle on Saturday. Saturday. And so, but she got on the horn, scrambled around there, um, found uh, just a local guy that had some rope and steers at his arena. And he ended up donating them to us to use for Saturday for the finals and stuff like that. And I mean, it was one of those deals that jumped, he said they said they got cattle, so we jumped in the truck. The trailer took off, <laughs> went and loaded up, and come back and stuff. And so uh, there was there was a handful of things like that that happened um, that first event. Like it's kind of funny because we got done, we're like, man, everything went pretty smooth. And then Tori's like, "Are you kidding me? You didn't have cattle? Yeah, we didn't have cattle um, forty eight hours ago, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> um, we had a deal, we had it catered, and um, the food it would it was borderline almost not there on time. For the for the final dinner, like everything else was there, but the the final dinner that we had our big benefit big auction, off, yeah. they <laughs> were doing the food in steamboat, and then they were bringing it all out um, for that dinner. Never showed up, and they the like they were just kind of behind on driving. I think they didn't think it was as far, and it ended up being. The number we had enchiladas that night. The number of enchiladas is the number of people that went through the line. There was no more and no less. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. So, the last guy stepped through the line. They slapped the last of it on his plate. We time. <laughs> but there was no more people that paid for food or anything like that. And that was so that was a pretty cool thing. And that it showed up too. But it yeah. did stress that out for helps. a bit. But then a, another thing is the weather, like kind of in October, we're pushing weather anyways in that area of Colorado. And during that event, there was kind of storms rolling through. And Friday morning, I remember a friend calling me and she's like, hey, it's snowing at the house. Are you guys having the roping? And I was like, yeah, it's beautiful here. (laughs) And she lived like as a crow flies three miles away. Oh, And there was a blue sky around us and just right over the hill it just looked like you could see clouds and stuff like that it was snowing at her house blue sky where we were and the roping was going the ground didn't freeze which that was kind of another thing for horses slipping and things like yeah, that yeah horses were safe ground didn't freeze but it was still snowing all around us <laughs> i would say if that is if that isn't a testament of faith right if this thing really matters you're going to stick with me on this one is god sitting up there laughing <laughs> yeah. and holding up your cattle right. and holding up your food and holding up your weather and <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and another thing that we added with this last year's event, we're going to continue doing it, but, um, we introduced a deal called communerosity mm-hmm. and Tori can go into more detail about that, but, um, pretty much like what we do, like with the meals and stuff like that, like it's all by donation. Like we want you to just come if, if you, whatever you can give, if you can't, we still want you there. Yeah. And like just trying to grow that community and stuff like that. But, um, the communerosity deal, there's a little bit more to that. And Tori can kind of go into more detail on that. Um, so it's a combination of community and generosity. When we first started talking about it, some friends of ours do it um, with their nonprofit. And that's how they kind of do their like shirt and hat sales. They don't have prices on them. It's just like by communerosity. And when we're talking about it, um, kind of the cool aspect of it, is that not only like if you can't afford to pay for a meal, like we want you to come and be community and be blessed by this event because this event's not just about 
or any of our events or anything in the future too. Like it's not just about helping one specific family. It's also like the heart of everyone involved. Um, but if you can't afford to come, but like we want you to come enjoy it. If you can't afford to come, come and pay for it. And if you can pay for more people, then pay for more people. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're the person that comes that has enough money to pay for the whole event, but you have trouble in your heart accepting and coming for free, we want you not to pay for anyone and we don't want you to pay for yourself, but we want you to come enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that kind of correlates to sometimes it's super hard to accept the free gift that God has given us, but it's something that like you have to learn to accept that. Yeah, it's tough. God gives free and abundantly. And sometimes like you have to do little things like in life to learn to accept gifts. So you're open to accepting um, God's free gift to us. Um, So that's kind of like, yeah, what what we stand by in that. And also uh, the faith for like for his cabbie to say God's providing. Mm -hmm. God's providing for this event. And if we make no money on food sales or shirt sales or anything like that, maybe one person came to the Lord because they, they saw that and they felt the presence of God in this free gift um, and decided to seek him differently. Um, so that's kind of, yeah. It's incredible. And it all circles back to serving a bigger purpose, right? I mean, it's not a mm-hmm. fundraiser. It's not to make money. It's not to prove financial wealth for you guys, right? It's to bring Absolutely. people closer to God and show show the community of Christ and and what it can be and what the potential is and how we are all part of a greater contribution to a greater community. Yeah. We have a friend uh, that came to the roping last year and um, his a girlfriend uh, ended up sharing a little bit of his testimony from the roping with us. That was pretty cool. Um well, so this uh, kind of cowboy kid came to the roping and um, thinking kind of that everything was going to be too expensive for him to help or provide or anything like that. But as he was sitting through the auction, the, the live auction and saw things being donated back and people contributing to help this family, he was just inspired to take all the money that he had to 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 contribute to his cabbie. And that was a pretty cool thing because he had a big, big heart change for the Lord just by giving and, and not, um, being there to get something, but seeing everyone else give and then was inspired to give. And then it changed a lot of his heart and his relationship with the Lord after that. And you talk about, you talk about giving and receiving, right? And for him, for this individual to give up money and quote unquote, not get anything in return, like, what he's receiving in return is a relationship with Christ. Absolutely. And if you don't think that ain't going to pay itself off, you're yeah. mistaken, right? Yeah. Right. It's incredible. And and I saw it early on with this show and it's, it's an incredible feeling to, I told my wife when this all came to be, and we're going to make a run at this, this podcast deal. Like if we have the ability to change one life, we've done our job and it didn't take, right. the, it didn't take the first weekend. Before we started, getting, <laughs> before we started receiving those messages, you know, and and in no way, shape, or form is this bragging about how great this show is. It's not. This is God's will. This is us being stewards of His opportunity, and 
never once did I think this little itty bitty radio show would have an influence in people all the way across the world and how they were right. struggling with something in their life. But the guest that week spoke to their heart and struck a chord. And that's when I realized, man, we really got to open this thing up a little bit and let more people speak from different countries and different disciplines and different foundations because yes, the horse is centrally focused and yes, the horse is the contribution in the bigger picture, but we never know when we tell that one story or we have that one reflection and somebody else has had a common or is in the middle of a common experience and just needs that little push to find success, that small change in perspective to have the profound effect in a positive manner in the goal or the finish line. Right. Well, and that's, there's a lot of times I think too, like we hear these little stories about how it touches people and how it does this, that and the other and stuff. But then what's it doing for the, the stories we don't hear about, Yeah, yeah. you know, Makes and, you like, and it's, you're not there to hear about them. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's between them and God or whatever they need to do and stuff like that. But that's, that's what I always think is cool because you hear quite a few stories, but then what are we not hearing? Yeah, like, yeah, how is this touching yeah. other people's and just being able to donate a gift or, you know, be able to help financially or, you know, just being there and experiencing it. You know what? We just don't know the impact that it has. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. So um, I'm going to get ready to wrap the show here in a little bit. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we go with the kind of the final question in closing? I kind of was put, I was thinking about kind of, we were talking about the testimonies of the first roping and it was pretty cool to see all those testimonies happen because when we were preparing for that roping, um, every, every day that we went to the, uh, the event center and everything like that, where we were having the roping, we, when we drove through the gates of the property, we prayed and we didn't just pray for, we prayed for the family that we were helping. We prayed for, and we do this with, with both, both ropings that we have done. And we'll do this in the future too. pray for the family. We pray for everyone that comes through that gate, uh, that they will experience something that they need to experience. Um, we pray over their safety and we just, there's just so many aspects of the prayer and it's just so cool to see how the Lord blesses that. Yeah. It's gotta be a powerful, powerful moment, you know, powerful experience, powerful event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a lot of times you kind of got to sit back and just kind of go, wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 In closing, right. We always frame a question around freedom. Um, so in your guys' life experience, uh, whether it's personal, professional, you know, around his cavi, you know, maybe what is a challenge or adversity that you faced? How did you overcome it? And what advice would you give to allow somebody else freedom who might be kind of in the trenches with a similar experience? You know, like this was something scary to jump out and do, but I felt led to do that and kind of trusted by faith, you know, like, hey, these opportunities are coming in front of me. Things are kind of falling together. I need to pay attention to this, you know, I step out there and and do it. I mean, just like we were talking earlier, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come up and you're going to be like, huh, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I mean. And then that's just what you're going to have to work through. It. It's not going to be easy all the time. You, you might lose your cattle the day before you're open, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just a curveball being thrown at you and stuff like that. And just, be, just having that faith that it's all going to work out just like the cattle deal. It was a blessing in disguise. It, the whole deal 
turned out better. I think we ended up with better cattle than what we would have in the long run. And it actually, I think it made our rope and run a lot smoother than what we'd had planned before even. Yeah. And it's tough when you talk about blind faith, right? I mean, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to talk about the topic of, but when it is laid at your feet and it's that kind of show up or shut up moment, uh, (laughs) it's it's a gut check, right? It's a gut check. I would say too, like struggle doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's a door closed. Yeah. Like sometimes like the faith and the testimony in it is pushing through and it's, and there's like, you can glorify God in that. And like, just cause something closes, doesn't mean defeat. And it doesn't mean that it's the Lord, like it's the Lord's will for you to quit mm-hmm. when something's mm-hmm. laid on your heart as big as that. And that's something that's laid on your heart to help people struggle. Yeah. Struggle doesn't mean quitting it. It means like, yeah, that there's, there, there's other ways to go about it. Yeah, there's or something bigger. Gonna end up, or and, you're going to probably end up growing. In yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And that you need to take a step back and lean on the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let something, let something happen yeah, bigger than what you think needs to happen. I love it. I love every single second of it. Well, Cody, Tori, I thank you guys very much for, for making time for us, especially with the, all that you have going on with his caveat. And if there's anything that we can do to help support you and your cause, please do not hesitate to reach out. You know how to get a hold of me and we'll make it happen. But again, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your testimony and all the contributions you guys are making to the Western industry. Yep. No, thank you very much for your time and letting us be here and uh, get to share our story. Yes, sir. And we'll talk down the road. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Y'all take care. Yeah, you too. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event, or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.